Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. I have an army. We have a Hulk. You're not the guy to make the sacrifice play? To lay down on a wire and let the other guy crawl over you? You're a laboratory experiment, Rogers. Everything special about you came from the bottom. I put a bullet in my mouth and the other guy spit it out. He's my friend. So was I. Nobody spills the secrets because nobody knows them. The city's flying. We're fighting an army of robots. And I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. I'm man popping, y'all! I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. Oh, I'll get that up. The, the Under Channel. The Under Under Made up names. Um, I'm Spider-Man then. The under channel you become part of a bigger universe you just don't know it yet welcome to the under channel versus the marvel cinematic universe this is robert under at my side turning knobs and man in the drops aaron i hope you're ready capsicle and our resident clint barton steve i understood that reference i gave you something positive this time today we're going to be talking the avengers released on may 4th 2012 and directed by joss whedon the Avengers was the sixth film to be released and is the seventh chronologically. Four years into Marvel, first attempting to produce their films with their own properties, and we get a major crossover event. The storylines from the five previous films collide as S.H.I.E.L.D. brings the Avengers together to stop the god Loki from using the Tesseract to tear open a hole between dimensions. I spelled hole wrong. These movies have been talked to death, so we won't go too deep, but here's a couple points I'd like to discuss. The end of phase one. So this is the end of the first story arc for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I just want to start off. Do you have the round of applause? Ready? <laughs> I want to give a round of applause for Marvel Studios, for Kevin Feige, Feige whatever his name is. Feige. Uh, yeah. All of them for uh, what they accomplished. I mean, yeah. over the course of four years, so from 2008 with the original Iron Man to 2012 with this Marvel movie, they put out five movies with an interconnected storyline that featured the Tesseract in different ways of each one and finally paid off in one major superhero blockbuster. The kind of superhero movie that people who had grown up with these characters never thought they would get a chance to see. Something that we've probably taken for granted nowadays because Absolutely. we get one every couple of years. Yep. But this was an insane event during that time. The biggest thing I'd like to say about it is by no means am I a major comic book fan. I didn't grow up reading a lot of comics. I'm familiar with the characters mostly through cartoons. But there were a lot of scenes in this that had me smiling from ear to ear to see the, the way certain characters interacted. The final scene where we get a giant battle where the Hulk is jumping around from building to building and Captain America and Iron Man are working together with using their powers. It just made me smile. I was like, wow, they actually pulled this off in a major film. They did it very well. They crafted so many ways that those characters interacted with each other throughout the entire plot of the movie. Yeah, and I have to recommend anyone who hasn't had a chance to watch, at the very least, the first six movies in rapid succession. I think I watched them in all over the course of about two weeks. It really does make the payoff of the Avengers even better yeah, because there's subtle jokes in the dialogue that would be small points if you haven't seen the movie in a while. So definitely recommend at least checking that out. But I want to talk at first about Loki. Loki is the main villain throughout this movie, but he's not the main point of conflict. 
This movie is purely about the Avengers getting to know each other. Absolutely. Loki does play a fantastic role, kind of pulling the the puppet strings from behind yeah. it. He's locked up most of the movie. Well, not most of it, but for the first half of the movie, he's locked up in a cage designed for the Hulk, but he's pulling strings. He's giving subtle jabs that are causing the rest of the Avengers to kind of boil over on each other. Yep. I'm not your fucking puppet. <laughs> I don't know how to do voices. So with really with them bringing okay. that was an authorized clip. <laughs> so with them bringing Loki back, uh, a character from a previous movie, and not bringing another major player into their universe with this film, don't you guys think that was a risk? I mean, a lot of people were probably like, "Wow, the Avengers is coming up." What big baddie are they going to bring out to really make us want to go to the seats? And they, they didn't. They didn't bring out anyone that, at least of name quality alone, that should have drawn people in. I feel you didn't know what you were going to get. Myself, my comic book knowledge was very X-Men based. Iron Man was a B character. Thor was not comic book to me. The Hulk, yeah, I knew who he was, but I only cared about him when Wolverine kicked his ass. And um, Captain America was the comic book you got when you went to Farmer Jack on like some sale day and they were giving him away for free to tie in with, you know, the extra gallon of milk for a dollar. I, like, I didn't care. This movie made me care. So finding out who the villain was, I went into it very innocently. Show me what you got. I, I don't know who the villain should be. Whoever it is, I won't be disappointed by. And then when I found out that your main villainish guy was Loki, I had already seen Thor. So it connected the dots for me, so I didn't mind it. It was cool. I was like, all right, this is what we got. Loki Loki's pretty cool in terms of I seen how his character developed throughout all of Thor. And now I get to see him become this person in the Avengers. So for me, I wasn't disappointed by Loki being the villain at all. No, it, he works out really well. He has very good dynamics with most of the Avengers. So it's not its not like a wasted enemy. It works out really well for the film. And he does what great villains do. He turns your friends against you. He turned Eric Selvig into his minion. He turned Hawkeye into his minion. Yeah, I think that was a really cool power because they didn't introduce that ability in the original Thor movie that he could like. He didn't have the staff yet. No, that was the Tesseract. Gotcha. Got the Mind Stone is the, the Mind staff. Stone is on the staff. Well, I, you know I what? I copied I what he said because yeah. I had no idea what that meant. But that's what it was. It was yeah, the mind. Yeah. But yeah, that makes sense because he does try to poke Iron Man in the chest with it, and since that's not flesh, it doesn't work on him. So yeah. Um, okay. Well, that was a great power to give Loki in this one because if Loki didn't actually have any kind of physical presence of something he can do outside of just confusing and tricking people, he wouldn't have been as great of a villain as no, he was. Because no. With him locked up behind that wall he needed people doing all of his actions for him. Yes. Like I said though the main conflict in this is the Avengers relationships with themselves. I got three that I'd like to talk about. The first Captain America and Iron Man. The best Part of the dynamic of all of these movies, period, is the relationship between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and how they develop themselves throughout their own individual storylines and the dynamic between the two of them. They're allies, but they butt heads on a regular basis. They don't think the same. They don't have the same ideals. But in the end, they both work towards the greater good. Yeah. And I like 
Stark's willingness to, first off, he doesn't want to be the leader. He might want to make sure everybody knows his opinion. He wants to make sure that he is the smartest guy in the room. So by you not taking his opinion, you're making the wrong decision. But at the end of the day, he still would choose to not be like the guy who's solely responsible for it. And you saw that towards the end when Captain America was giving the orders. Hey, you guys are on patrol duty oh, and we're going to take end. it at the very end. But throughout it, even though Tony Stark was butting heads with them, yeah. I still think he understood, hey, Captain America was brought in to lead the team. And I'm going to, as somebody who works in business, even though he had probably had a lot of power throughout his entire life, you still understand the hierarchy. And Tony looked at it and said, hey, I'm not almost worth the hassle of trying to fight to be the leader. But I'm still smarter than you. I still have the right decisions, but... I think Tony, I agree with that, because Tony knows he's, knows he's smarter and he can do more. And he has the ability to do more things. And to Tony, he feels like all of his stuff is a natural ability that he has. Whereas Steve Rogers, in Tony's opinion, is nothing. Science experiment. Science experiment. His dad made Steve Rogers what he is today. Yeah. It is a stark stamp. He might as well have the stark <laughs> logo tattooed across his chest. I'm surprised they never dropped a line like that in where like Captain America's asking for a shirt and he threw him like a Stark Industries shirt. He's like, you know, model the brand. Another relationship I'd like us to look into, the friendship developed between Stark and David Banner. Stark finally has a friend who's smart enough to talk to him. And I thought that was really funny. His name's Bruce Banner. Oh, David, 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 David Banner. I was talking about the rapper. See, Steve, that's why you're here. There's no rapper named David Banner, is there? Yeah, there. Absolutely. His, he's bagging his it hip hop suicide doors, suicide, suicide doors. He's making that shit. I'll show you guys after this. All right. No, I don't want to see it. Well, uh, no, but the relationship between Tony Stark and Bruce Banner, it's very good quip. Like both when they just quip at each other, and I think Tony Stark is really trying to was trying to see what makes Bruce tick. Yeah. And, and plus, when we talked about the reason Loki works, um, is because Thor is dumb enough for it to work. Well, the reason those other characters work is because they let Tony Stark and David Banner be smarter Bruce. than everybody else in the Bruce. Damn it! Bruce. David, 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 David Banner. Bruce Banner, um, it's not hard. We gotta get that drop, the Bruce. David Banner drop. But um we're not going to. Bruce Banner, they let those two characters speak above everybody else in the room. It does make sense that when two geniuses are talking about the ideas of wormholes tearing in the fabrics of space, that a guy who is from 1942, who doesn't even know what a science fiction movie looks like, wouldn't understand what they're talking about. Yeah. It really played into the strength of the characters. I was really happy to see them do that. They became besties yeah. in that scene, too. Even to the point where at the end he rides out with yeah. him in his, his Lotus Ferrari or whatever is, that whatever is. The yeah. Hell was, yeah. And then the final one ties into the main storyline. The burden that Thor bears because Loki is his brother. There were a couple shots that the other Avengers took at him about, this is your brother, shouldn't you just go in there and be a big brother, like whoop his ass? Thor really did take that personally, that like his bloodline he he was the him. issue. Yeah, and I really enjoyed that because Thor doesn't have a lot of interpersonal relationship with the rest of the Avengers. Yep. He's kind of doing his own thing and letting everybody else around him do theirs to help him. Yeah. But his real relationship in this, I mean, what is Thor's opinion on Iron Man? What is Thor's opinion on Captain America? Well, he just sees them all as Earthlings. Yeah, yeah. they just, just work like, alongside they, me. They, they capture Loki, Yeah, and then he jumps on the ship, and he grabs Loki, and he takes him back. 
and it's like no he belongs to me he belongs to the Asgardians and even at the end of the movie like he said he takes them back to Asgard he's gonna face Asgardian justice and even when they're ripping on him in that room he says careful what you say he's still an Asgardian he's still my blood blah 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 yeah yeah still defending him it's like listen no matter what you think we're still gods and you are still just (laughs) apes just puny mortals so this is a cool topic. This is something Aaron pitched for us. With the Avengers, finally get to see S.H.I.E.L.D.'s big four all in one room. I don't mean to discredit Black Widow and Hawkeye in this. I'm going to a little bit only because they're mortal. And they didn't get their own movies. They didn't get Just, their... Yeah. Come on. Yet. But he says yet. the way Aaron <laughs> presented it is if you were an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you were given four different manila folders and we said, hey, we have these four cases, you get to pick your assignment. Agent Bloom, who are you taking? Are you being assigned to Iron Man? Are you being doing? assigned to Captain America? So now that the Avengers are a thing... Yeah, I understand it, but am I keeping an eye on them? Keeping an eye yeah. on them, babysitting them. You're there because S.H.I.E.L.D. always needs to be in reach of Bruce Banner. You're there awful. because he always needs to be in reach. Who would you be the agent for? All right, so you have to think about this. Tony Stark would be a joke because he would just, A, he would... He would just disrespect you and just Oh, he'd fly fuck up. with you all day. I know, so I don't... I'll be like, no, nope, this... Your job would suck. Probably Cap's probably the best case scenario because, like you said, you could... I think... I, honestly, yeah. I think Cap would be the best one for you. He would he would treat you with respect because you're both working with S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. You guys are both working out both all the time. Both working out all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I want the Cap one. I want the Cap one. All right. That makes sense for Cap, you. What about oh, you, Aaron? No, Cap needs more than me. Spotter. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Tony would be terrible to keep an eye on. Every day you'd wake up and you'd be like, "Oh God, what did you do to my car?" I couldn't hang with Cap. That he just—he'd be too righteous for me, and I'd hate to work out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, we're gonna sign up. <laughs> the Hulk, way too unpredictable. I'm, I can't. Yeah, because like one minute it's like, okay, I'm in New York. Next minute, um, and. New Mexico. Yeah. How did this happen? Yeah. And now the traveling part doesn't bother me, so that's why I would pick Thor, because I'd get to go to the other worlds. Because if you're a shield they're not operative, gonna let they're not gonna let you NASCAR. If they don't let me go to other worlds, I I have the easiest job. I just get to sit around the office but probably. It, in this scenario, you are. You're so in this scenario, to. they they ask He's like, we allow one earthling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's Thor's bitch. Let him come. <laughs> you know, Thor will be later. It'll be cool traveling to other worlds so yeah i'd pick thor all right so i ran through each one i think i figured it out now the obvious choice is iron man and here's why God, that's the worst one. when tony stark doesn't want to be a pain in your ass you're living the lap of luxury he could be hooking you up for sure now here's the good the best part about it when the dangerous stuff happens he puts on a suit and flies away which means you're really just stuck calling Nick Fury going like, yeah, he left again. I you know, I feel bad, but I tried. I couldn't do anything. He tricked me again. So He did again. Nick. And they know Tony Stark enough that you're not going to be in trouble. They just know that's how he is. So it's really the best of both worlds. Captain America is going to drag your ass into some battle, and it's not going to be good. Tony Stark will be like, hey, uh, Aaron, look over there. And then you turn around, and he's gone. Captain America will just be like putting his belt on, putting his shield on in front of you like where are you going oh there's 900 giants out there we need to go fight we are you uh, you're coming alongside me right man of shield (laughs) so you can't go with captain america because you're gonna get dominated i'll follow him to battle the hulk 
two reasons. He's going to severely injure you or kill you every time he becomes the yeah. Hulk. The, every time he, you reincarnate? And other than that, when he's not the Hulk and with the Avengers, it appears to me that he's just traveling around a third world country studying medicine. And that doesn't sound fun either. The movie starts with him in India, like learning about flowers or something. And finally, Thor, it's a good choice. It's not a Tony Stark level choice, but if you're going to go with Thor, you're going to have to learn to take a punch because there's going to be a time when you're going to say something that he is going to be disrespected by. Yeah. It's a learning curve. Maybe even the other Asgardians as well. Absolutely. That's what I'm really thinking. You, During the family dinner, the lawn table, you say something. Must be a throwdown. They're all they're all sitting there at like the table, like laughing. You're like eating off a plate on the floor with dogs. <laughs> to close out the first part of the show, we've decided to feature a single piece of dialogue that we felt best captured the essence of the film. Allow me to paint you a picture. I have a read for that though. Right. I think it's when Nick Fury gives his speech to Cap and Iron Man at that desk, and he talks about how Coulson got killed. And that was his eye. That's the one I think works the best. Yes, we were going to build an arsenal with the Tesseract. I never put all my chips on that number, though, because I was playing something even riskier. There was an idea. Stark knows this. Called the Avengers Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people see if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to, to fight the battles that we never could. Phil Coulson died still believing in that idea. In heroes. Well, it's an old-fashioned notion. Agent Coulson becomes the reason to avenge. I also liked that that was actually fake having those cards, that he got them out of his locker yeah, instead of it. staged it. Because, again, it shows that S.H.I.E.L.D., the government, is not above Nick playing Barry's a trick, no. playing a trick or making saying, hey, we've decided that you four need to work together. We are the ones who are deciding, even though from the beginning of the movie, it looks like it's not going to work out. So, yeah. sorry. If you enjoy what you've heard so far, our website is theunderchannel.com. More episodes are available on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Over 21 movies and 11 years, the minds behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe have worked to craft one of the deepest interconnected film series of all time. It's time for Aaron to tell us just how the Avengers tie into the overall storyline by serving up some connective tissue. This is my favorite one. The humor is there because Tony Stark is a smartass. The humor is there because Josh Reno wrote the script. That's oh yeah, no, no, like, he makes those characters interconnect very well. But throughout many other of these movies, Tony Stark is famous for giving everybody a nickname, just like Rob over here. I'm famous for that. <laughs> yeah, you like at least you pride yourself on Thank that. Thank you. You know what? I do. I'm not. I'm not sure if Tony Stark prides. Stark's very prideful, so he probably prides himself on giving nicknames. Oh, for sure. We can go back to the very first Mr. Cool Iron Man movie with Terrence Howard. He calls him Platypus. That's a nickname he gives them when they're on the plane. When he starts to fight Loki the first time in Germany, he calls him Reindeer Games. 
right before they encounter Loki the first time, Thor comes and breaks them out of the plane. Pretty sure I got this right. You see Captain America and Tony Stark having a conversation about everything, you know, life in general. And Tony Stark asks him, how did you keep in shape this whole time? Was it Pilates? He's like, you know, because you were frozen. You were, you were capsicle at that time. <laughs> Calls him capsicle. Later on, at the end of the battle, they get Loki back. And Loki doesn't mind being captured. And Tony Stark is like, is anybody else finding it weird that rock of ages <laughs> with his bullet and everything? let himself be captured so quickly right before their big conflict scene which, which which was pretty cool to see how Loki weaved himself through all of their weak points and made them distrust each other and question each other he calls Thor point break slaps him on the shoulder and then at the end of that scene or I'm sorry towards the end of the movie he grabs Hawkeye and he's about to put him up on a you know a higher point to be a, a lookout and he calls him Legolas he says you know yep. you might want to clench up Legolas. Later on in the movie, before the big fight, when him and Loki are in his tower, he tells Loki, like, what are you going to do with that glow stick of destiny? <laughs> Which leads me to why? Why? Maybe this is connective tissue that I just haven't figured out yet. Why did the staff not work on Tony? But you guys, I think, said it earlier. Because he pokes it right where the reactor is. So he tapped him on it's the metallic chest, yeah. so it's not yeah. flesh. So... The Mind Stone does not work on flesh. So that that particular power of that Infinity Stone didn't quite work the way that he thought it would, Loki. All right, so the Infinity Stones play a major part through all of this. We all know that by now. So this is the first time where we really get to see the Mind Stone. It is part of Loki's staff. And I imagine this is the second time, maybe third, yeah, it's the third time we've seen the Tesseract. The Tesseract represents the Space Stone. We don't know about any of this stuff at this point, having watched Phase 1. Comic book lore lets us know what the stones are. But for many, the Infinity Stones aren't even a thought. Myself included. Like I've said, X-Men were my bag. These guys, not so much. So the Infinity Stones didn't even factor into it. I realized that, just like S.H.I.E.L.D. did, that the Tesseract was a big deal. That Thor's hammer was a big deal. There were things happening to the Earth that could not be comprehended. And S.H.I.E.L.D. finally becomes very evident in the Avengers. They have gotten the funding. They have gotten the manpower behind it they have gotten the government clearance shield is the body that controls what happens on earth at this point when it comes to superheroes and it all stems back to when it all began with iron man one and you'll see it as it plays out through the rest of these movies in the marvel comic book universe pretty interesting we get our big huge baddies that finally invade the planet. The Chaturi. The Chitari, however you want to say it. So now we Chitari. Chitari. They're a bunch of shit rags. Chitara. Chitara. So now we know that space is the next frontier. That obviously Earth and its problems are very minute at this point. So Nick Fury and how he feels about everything has it's been confirmed. 
Now, the powers that be still aren't convinced. They override Nick Fury at the end of this, and they start trying to send out jets and planes and stuff to launch nukes into Manhattan and destroy all of Manhattan. But Nick Fury tries his best to circumvent that, but doesn't matter. In the end, they get their way, and Iron Man makes the ultimate sacrifice, which solidifies partially his part of being a leader of the Avengers. I have to say, like, it was very heavy-handed every time they were talking to the council board of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. to be like, Phase 2 yeah, they said is phase two about to begin, isn't it? Right, is anyone ready for Phase, phase two? 2? <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Which, what I, were they, you lying about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, it's cool, I mean, obviously finding out that, you know, the plan was to make weapons that you can defend yourself. Why call it phase two other than the fact that you're just trying to like seem smarter than everybody in the room after it's revealed that there's a whole other wave of these movies coming yeah. out? And I think that's what they knew they were doing. They knew that they were appealing to a larger crowd other than comic book readers at this point. So they were able to get away with stuff like that. The Chitari race reminds me of another comic book race of aliens that continually invade the earth you guys may not understand this but robert kirkman he has a comic book line called invincible and he has a race called the flaxons and they begin to get stronger and stronger as they learn and progress yeah connective tissue maybe not but my mind working <laughs> um but we do learn that the uh, chitari is a hive mind by the end of this and that once Iron Man propels himself with the nuke into their spaceship and destroys it, that's the end of the Chitauri. They're not so much of a threat, they're kind of weak. But this leads to the fact that there is some sort of alliance between Loki and some other force at work. We don't quite know it just yet. We have to wait till the end credit scenes to find out exactly what that link and that alliance was, which I'll get to in a moment. So by the end of this, humanity has embraced the heroes, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I would they, say so. they believe they're their saviors, but at the same time, they're also questioning them because they've just laid waste to Manhattan. Otherworldly things have happened, which is the weird part, because if a bunch of aliens invaded and destroyed a bunch of your city, the last person I would question is the heroes that saved the day. But... But that's how it always is in movies. It, it is. It is. Movies. So it leads me to this little bit of connective tissue. Jeff Goldblum is one of the reporters you hear at the end. You don't see him, but his voice is undeniable. And he says tough questions about the Avengers. I'm trying to do a Jeff Goldblum impression. Don't do it. Just read the line. <laughs> tough questions about the Avengers are being asked about their appearance and sudden disappearance. So basically, humanity wants the Avengers to take care of all their problems at this point now. And they're not going to. No. The Avengers are only meant for one thing. Right. When it becomes too much for Earth's forces that are already in play. FBI, world governments, world armies, things along those lines. But it is Jeff Goldblum. Nice. If you listen closely, that's his voice. Undeniable, his cadence of speech. And that's an interesting balance when you think of what traditionally of a superhero where it's it's almost like a story of the week or a story of the month. If you really look at the Avengers comics and how many there's been, you would assume that they're just hanging out waiting for shit to happen all the time. They just did this major thing. Yeah. There's not going to be a catastrophic event every single day. Exactly. And that's what's best about your end credit scenes. So your first end credit scene, and it comes right away. 
You see that Chitari operative that had talked to Loki? He has a boss. And you get to find out who the boss is at this scene. And he gives the speech. And his last thing about it is he's talking about humanity is not as meager as we thought they were because Loki thought of them as being weak. He says they will stand and they will fight. And to challenge them, this is the exact quote, to challenge them is to court death. And then the camera pans and you see the grimace of Grimace himself. Thanos. Thanos. He smiles. And at this point, everybody in the world of... Everyone who was a nerd in nerd, the movie. Exactly. Shat themselves. I saw this movie opening night and... I didn't know who he was, but the per there were people behind me that going, Holy shit, it's Thanos! Yep. And what's cool about it is looking back at it now that... Because I, I was the same way. I was like, who the fuck is Thanos? So I had to do some research and I realized, like, oh, this is who Thanos is. Oh, to challenge them is to court death. Death, Lady Death, is his love. So I figured that's where the storyline was going to go. So it was pretty cool that they kind of incorporated that. I had no idea about Infinity Stones. I had no idea about Infinity Glove. All that stuff it didn't matter to me. But they were like, ooh, Lady Death. So it turned me on. Yeah, well, introducing a character like Thanos and then the, then digging into who that is post-movie. Oh, shit. They have, there's a lot about to happen in these movies. You know, it's like, yep. like you said, it's going galactic. You know, things are getting way bigger. So the very end credit scene, though, they've gone through a lot of shit. And they've just fought some crazy battle. The end scene... Is just them all silent, just eating shawarma. <laughs> and what else are you gonna do after you've done all that work? I miss that. I didn't you didn't see, see that? that? No. Oh, dude, they're all just inside of a destroy. Like it's probably the last restaurant standing in, in the wake <laughs> of this battle, and they're all just chowing down, and nobody says a thing. <laughs> That's all. I feel like shawarma now. I don't know what shawarma is. It's just chicken and garlic sauce. It's good. It's delicious. Like, because they were eating it with their hands, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's in a pita. Because you don't think. Oh, about, so it's a wrap. Yeah. yeah. So a lot, a lot of people eat it as a shawarma sandwich, but if you order okay. just shawarma, it's like a build your own kind of situation. Interesting. It's delicious. When Marvel launched the MCU, they redefined the canon for every one of their characters. This version is now the public perception of the Avengers. John Q. Public won't be referring to the Quarterbins when defending their superheroes' badassery. They'll be talking about these movies. But that doesn't mean the stories being told here are original to the movie. Let's check out where the studios found their inspiration. I will apologize. I did not dig into this. And I thought I had everything ready, but now that I'm looking at my notes, there is nothing written underneath this section. So... Post-edit. No, no. Anyone who's listening, if you are aware of where the inspiration for this movie came from, and don't just say the uh, five movies that took place before it, please let us know. Find us on our Twitter. Find all that stuff that Steve says when we get a little slow. Find us there and let us know the comic book inspiration behind these movies. Half of the fun watching these movies isn't just what you should be paying attention to. It's the little pieces of fanfare hidden in plain sight. It's time for Steve to strap on his floppy ears and share some Easter eggs. All right, you guys ready for this one? Oh yeah. There's there's not a ton in this movie, right? Oh, there's tons. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just only gonna name a couple. No, you're. Um, I was just surprising you. So Robert Downey Jr. kept food hidden all over the lab set, and the rest of the crew actually couldn't find it, so they just let it be. So anytime you saw Robert Downey Jr. eating, he was just actually just hungry. He legitimately was eating. So the blueberry thing was like a. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it awesome. wasn't scripted. So that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. 
It's very Starkian. Yep. There were only very few times that everyone in, was in town at once, but on one night when they were, Chris Evans sent them all a text message saying, Assemble, which was the tagline to the movie, yep. Avengers Assemble. Avengers Assemble, yeah. Prompting a night out in the town, Clark Gregg has stated that this was his favorite text message he's ever received. Hmm. Uh, I would shit myself if I like, you just got, you got a text from Captain America, Assemble. I'm pretty sure I texted you assemble one time and you didn't do shit. <laughs> You're not Captain America. What? In this group I am. Right? That's my one, yeah. No? I don't know. Gwyneth Paltrow is noticeable barefoot in all of her scenes with Stark Tower. Is she really? Yeah. It's because she is Tar and Robert Downey Jr. Ah, uh, so he's got a Tom Cruise complex. Yeah. She's she not that much taller, but she has because... You know in movies, men always have to be... Men have to be. Taller. Hashtag... What do they call the movement for men, women equality? It's a big bitch. <laughs> we're, we're not, we're not getting to that one. Okay. Rob Schneider. <laughs> so in that final credit scene, Captain America, when they're eating shawarmas, he's, you notice that Captain America is not eating in that scene. He wasn't? No. That's because Chris Evans got a buzz cut and grew out his beard after the movie was done filming. They were all in the call in to do that last scene, and he refused to shave his beard because he was doing um, Snowpiercer at the time. So they gave him Another a pro- comic book movie. I really thought you were going to say it was because Captain America doesn't eat foreign food. It wasn't, One they didn't of have the hot great dogs. sleaze bags of our time. <laughs> so they gave him a prosthetic jaw to hide his beard. So you see the him. CGI'd his face. Yeah. So you, he holds his hand Practical over his effects. face because his prosthetic made him look like he was just been attacked by a hive of angry bees. Wait a bit. They, they put a pro- they put a they didn't even CGI it. They were no, like, they just straight up gave put him this a- piece of plastic on your head, Chris Evans. Yep. And you know they must have whipped that shit up real quick. Yep. He is also <laughs> unable to eat or talk with the prosthetic on, and he's also wearing a wig. Wow. That's awesome. That's that a really, really good cool. Easter egg. Yep. The nerds probably know this, but there's two missing founding members of the Avengers, Ant-Man and Wasp. Well, at this point in time, yes. But um, they're one of the original founding members. Uh, well, they were cut from the script because the film already had too many characters. Yes. And, you know, those two won. I think they did it right for for the basic people that are watching this. For sure. Yep. We don't need to who Hank and whatever her name Pym is. Not yet. Well, because it was already kind of a shock that Hawkeye and the Black Widow were, were members of the team and not just S.H.I.E.L.D. operatives. Yeah. That they didn't need to also bring in two characters who didn't have a movie of their own anyway. And last but not least, I'm going to talk about the Stan Lee... The Stanley cameo. Stanley's character is interviewed at the very end after the Avengers have saved the day. Stanley character responds, "Superhero in New York, give me a break," and then returns playing his game of chess. He also appears in a deleted scene in which the waitress flirts with Steve Rogers. Lee says to him, "Ask her for your number, you moron." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve Rogers. He just really doesn't want to date anybody. No, he, he does. Sorry for Peggy. He's got it for Peggy. Don't blame him. I agree. No. What? If you enjoy what you've heard so far, our website is theunderchannel.com. More episodes are available on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher, and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The time has come for the Marvel Cinematic Universe Giant Size Trivia Challenge. Aaron and Steve will face off daily to determine who's really paying attention as they attempt to slog through these films. Scores will tally throughout the month, and at the end, whoever has answered the most questions correct will be crowned the winner, and the loser shall face punishment. The first question will go to Aaron, the second to Steve, and the third will be open to whoever answers first. I've given both gentlemen a buzzer. Aaron, your sound is. Steve, your sound is. 
and I will need to hear that sound before you guys answer that final question. But to start, Aaron, when called into service, Steve Rogers is in a boxing gym hitting a heavy bag. With a massive blow, he sends one across the room, slamming to the floor. What is the name written on the patch of this heavy bag? Everlast. That is correct. Always will be. <laughs> Always will be Everlast. Steve, <laughs> aboard S.H.I.E.L.D.'s ship, Tony Stark picks and prods Bruce Banner about how he always keeps so calm. Okay. Captain America in full uniform approaches to shut it down. What kind of shirt is Tony Stark wearing in this scene? Uh, it's an ACDC shirt. Wrong. That is incorrect. Wrong, 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 wrong. Black Sabbath. That is correct. Damn it. All right, final question. During I got, the battle... I <laughs> During the battle with the Chitari, Captain America notices some civilians who are in danger. After Barton and Romanoff join the fray, the captain runs to assist the civilians to safety. He jumps down from a bridge and rolls on the back of a city bus with what numbers written across its roof? This is a dickhead question. How is that a dickhead question? It's super prominent. Scene. It's a great scene, but I don't remember the numbers. Did you watch the movie this you might have if you watched it. Fucking 313. Aaron, Aaron watched it. 313. That is incorrect. Aaron watched it. He doesn't remember. That's not my problem. You got <laughs> What, just because Aaron got two questions right? This is the, <laughs> what, sixth movie? You guys haven't gotten any right. <laughs> He's got four right. <laughs> Don't fucking talking? honk at me. And with that, know. we end the show. But fear... Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's I want one, one fucking answer. One, one, two, three. What's that significant for? What what is it? It's the top of the bus that Captain America rolls on when he's no, going no, down. No, 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 no. What's the number? What's the, what? One one two three. three. Why is it, why is it one one two three? I don't know. Why is it? I thought you knew. No, I'm not the Easter egg guy. That's Steve. Steve, you got something to do for the next Avengers movie. God damn it. <laughs> and with that, we end the show. But fear not, we shall return tomorrow with Iron Man three. <laughs>